one year closer to the Lord. Amen. And for us that are getting older, every day that goes by, I'm like, one more day to, to go home. Either the Lord comes and gets us or we're, we're going to go to him, right? But either way, we, we, either way, we are blessed. Amen? <clears throat> James chapter 1, verse 16 to 18. The word, of, the word of God says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Amen. Let's pray. Blessed Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all you've done for us, Lord. We thank you for this year. Uh, many of us have seen trials. Many of us have seen uh, pain, suffering, whatever, a joy, everything that has come, Lord. But we thank you for that. We could lift our hands and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because everything that happens to us, you work it out for our own good. And we thank you for, God, for that. Because that is the kind of God that you are, Lord. We ask you to speak to us. May your word go forward, Lord, and, 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 and supply the spiritual need uh, that, that, that we so long for. Help us. Help us to speak your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're approaching a, we're approaching a new year again, and, and I think uh, we all could say that time goes by very fast, doesn't it? goes by very fast. Um, I often say it's, a, it's like we're, we're, we're sitting on a, on, a, on a car seat in the back, right, in the back, in the back seat. And you ever seen the, those movies where everything is, the time is moving and everything is flashing and, and we're just sitting back there? And that's how it is. That's how it is. It, just, it goes by so quick. Uh, and here we are. Tomorrow will be... 2024. Now, some, some didn't expect to get there, that we would get there, but here we are, right? Here we are. Uh, and we live, in a, we live in a world, uh, by the way, the, the, the message, the title of the message today is Christian Certainties. Christian Certainties. We live in a very, very uncertain world. And we hear that all the time, right? We live, we're, we're living in uh, uh, unstable, unstable times, uncertain times. Uh, in, every, in every aspect of life, it, it's uncertain. We struggle against all, the, the, all of the uncertainties of, uh, that, that, that we face, right? From, uh, from especially now, from terrorism uh, to pandemics. Uh, some say a lack of food. We're constantly hearing that, aren't we? It's gone, there's not going to be any more food. So there's just all kinds of stuff that comes up, but those are uncertainties, natural pandemics, catastrophes, wars, violence, all of that. Catastrophes. And we all know that uh, uncertainties that, that we live with and uh, that, that, that we face, uh, and some other common, some other common uncertainties. It is, uh, for example, like when, when we buy a car, right? We buy, we go and buy a car, and, and, and we're not sure if it's going to function and if it's going to go all right, so we want a guarantee, right? So we ask the manufacturer or we ask the dealer to give us a guarantee that the thing is going to work, right? Yes. And then, on top of that, we get an insurance policy because we just don't know. We just might get into a car accident. So we buy an insurance policy for that, for the vehicle, for us, because we're not sure. We're not sure what's gonna, gonna happen, right? And we spend a, a small fortune, we spend a small fortune into the insurance company for something that hasn't happened yet. But it might, but it might, right? So it's an, it's an uncertainty. We buy an appliance. And when we buy an appliance, they immediately, the salesperson comes up to us and says, you want, you want the service plan, a service guaranteed? 
um, that's another way of telling us it's a lousy product. <laughs> it's not going to last too long, so you better get protection for it, right? Yes. <clears throat> but all of those things. Also uncertainties about health. So we spend a whole bunch of money getting insurance, uh, 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 medical plans, insurance, right, to protect us from uh, illnesses, accidents, catastrophes, issues that may come, that may come into our lives. All of that, physically, physically. On top of that, there are uncertainties about uh, a fire and theft, so we buy insurances for that. Other policies for insurance and uh, theft and, and, and uh, fire and all of that, right? There's even uncertainties about marriage, right? Now, what's happening now so lately, there's getting prenups now, right? Because you're not sure what's going to happen with this guy or with this person next to me. So you see, there's all kinds of uncertainties in life. And we'll, people will pay a lot of money to cover all those potential uh, contingencies that may happen. Also, and I've, I've, I've worked in a, in a field where I used to see this all the time, people will pay a lot of money, people will pay a lot of money to astrologers, tarot card readers, to, to, to uh, fortune tellers, to get some kind of insight into the future, to remove all that, some kind of fear of the uncertainties. And you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed of what people, people pay for just to get some kind of insight to what might happen in the future because those are uncertainties. And I think a good, uh, a good question to ask an unbeliever would be, what are you absolutely certain of? And you know what the standard question, not the question, that's the question, but what is the standard answer is? Death and taxes. <laughs> death and taxes, and, and they're absolutely right, right? But even in death, for them would be an uncertainty. It would be an uncertainty because they don't know what's going to happen after death. Years ago, I had a client that uh, she used to come to me, and, she, and every time we would start a conversation, and, and there would be times that she would be sick, and, and her thing was, I, I'm, I'm afraid of death. I'm afraid of dying. And it was always that fear that she had. And she asked me one time, are you afraid of dying? And I said, no, not at all. And she said, you're not? No, I, I'm not afraid. Why not? So I said, because I'm a Christian and I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. So I started talking to her about, but then, then she got all angry because she said I was uh, you know, she couldn't deal with a, a God that would send people to hell, you know. But God doesn't send anybody to hell. People go on their own. People go on their own. God doesn't send anybody to hell. But you see, uh, <clears throat> these are people who don't know the Lord. These are people, those uncertainties uh, that, that people get because they don't know the Lord. But as believers... We deal, we deal with certainties uh, in an uncertain world. Amen? We live with certainties. We, we deal with certainties in this uncertain world. Now, that's a problem. That is a problem for, uh, for, uh, for that uncertain world, isn't it? It is a problem because it's offensive to them. It's an offense to say that we are certain of something, that we are absolutely sure of something, it's intolerable for them. It's, a, it's an, an intolerable position to take, but it's the truth. The Bible is a book of absolutes, a book of absolutes. It's a book of certainties, amen? We are certain about the universe, how it began, and how it's going to end. We are certain of that. We are certain uh, uh, why God created and how his purposes from the beginning will be accomplished at the end. Amen? Yes. We are certain of why people, why people do what they do, why they behave the, the way they behave. We are certain of, the, of what is right and what is wrong. 
We are certain about the characteristics that make for good human relationships. We are certain of that. We are certain of what is necessary to go to heaven. We are certain that there's a hell, and we are certain why people go there. We are certain of all of these things. We are certain about God's promises, many God's promises. We are certain about uh, uh, his promises. We are certain about his son, uh, the Savior, certain about his uh, substitutionary dead. We're, we're, We're certain about his resurrection. We're certain about the second coming. We're absolutely certain that, that about all of these things. Why? Why are we certain? Because he told us. It is written in the world, in the word. In his word, it's truth. Right? So we believe that. It's absolutely, it's absolute truth. And now we are, we are, we are unique. We are unique in this world of doubters, if you will. Because that kind of certainty is not something that is easily accepted in our society. They actually see it as arrogance. They called it, that's, well, that's what that lady called me. She says, I was an arrogant to know who was going to hell and who wasn't. She didn't believe that Christ was the only way. But regardless of what society says, regardless of what the world says, God, God has given us a guaranteed for the truth of redemption promises. And there's many, many promises. And all of them are true. And all of them, they're absolutely certain. Because he said they will happen. And not only that, but since we, we, we all like to get guarantees, right? Who doesn't like to get a guarantee? We all do. We all do, you know? Can you guarantee me this? Can you guarantee me that? Yes, we always say that. The Lord knowing how humans are, he gave us a guarantee for every promise. He gave us a guarantee. In Ephesians 1.14 It says that he's given us a pledge of our inheritance, the Holy Spirit of promise. You see that? The Holy Spirit of promise. So when we became a believer, we put our trust in Christ. We came to the conviction of the, uh, of the belief that, we were, that, that all God's promises were true. We came to the conviction that what he said about me was true. What he said about my sin was true. What he said about the judgment because of that sin was true. But we also, we also, he also told us about the mercy and grace that we would receive, right? And that is true. And so we came to the conclusion that all that was true, that all of that was true, all of that was true. <clears throat> and when we believed in, in, in the truth of, God, of the gospel, we would put our trust in, in Christ, God promised eternal life. And that's a wonderful thing. He promised eternal life. And to secure that eternal life, he gave us a guarantee. And the guarantee was the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That, that word pledge in Ephesians 1.14 is arabon in Greek. Which means guaranteed, a down payment, a deposit, a promise. And it was even used for an engagement ring. Because it was a sure thing that that was going to, that was going to happen. That promise. Now, God has bound himself by his word to these certainties that he gave us. And he has the guaranteed, he has guaranteed that his, his word and the gift of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us, which are, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Because having the Holy Spirit in us gives us the guarantee of what? Of our inheritance. Do you know what that inheritance is? That's major, right? So we have everything that belongs to Christ. Everything that belongs to Christ. Now the question is, what belongs to Christ? Name it. It belongs to Christ. And that that belongs to Christ belongs to me and it belongs to you. And the guarantee of that 
is that the Holy Spirit is in us. That's wonderful. Now, I'm going to give you three certainties uh, that, that are absolutes uh, for, for, for us, the believers. And there are many. I'm just giving you three. I'm just giving you three because time does not permit me to. You know, I, want, I, want, I wanted to give you five. I wanted to give you five, but I cut it down to three because it, it was just... Uh, people start hearing me, looking at me with a hairy eyeball. And that is not a, and that is not a good thing. Amen? So I'm going to give you three. I'm going to give you three, and we're going to go by them quick. <clears throat> and again, there's many of them. And we'll end up, we'll end up at the passage that, I, that, that we read in the beginning. That's where we're, gonna, that's where we're going, going to end. But I want to take you first to John, uh, uh, 1 John uh, chapter 5, verses uh, 13 to 21. I am not going to read them either. But I just want you to, to go there, and, and, and we're going to see certain, certain things about the, that uh, that passage. Immediately, immediately, you will notice in, in, in that passage the word no. No. It's there quite a bit. Verse 13, that you may know. Verse 15, if we know that, we, if we know that he hears us, we know we have the request we, we've asked. Verse 18, we know that in one, we know that no one who is born of God sins. 19, we know that we are of God, verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come that we might know him who is true. So as you could see, this is all about, about what we know, about what we are certain of, amen? And you'll notice in, 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 in verse 14, there's another interesting word there, a beautiful word, which, mean, which is confidence, Confidence. And what is that confidence? Well, confidence is from, from verse 13 all the way to, to 17 is one subject. It is one subject. <clears throat> and we are certain about all of that, that we know all of that. We could be confident of all of that. And this is why we call this Christian certainties. We, we've titled it that way. And just so you know, in this epistle, the word known no appears 39 times. It looks like our brother John wanted us to know something for sure. Because it appears 39 times, and seven of them is just in this passage that, that we have before us. Now, what John wants to re reiterate to us is that, uh, to, to the readers and for us too, is that the, 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 certainties that we, the certainties that are ours in Christ, certainties that are ours in Christ, and I'm going to give you a quick, just a quick summary of the book because it, it, it's, it's important. First uh, John was written with the intention to, disting, to disting, distinguish between true believers and false believers. That was the purpose. That was the purpose he wrote the, the, uh, first, uh, first John. True Christians from false, false, false Christians. Verse 13 summarizes his purpose. And it says, these things I've written to you who believed in the name of the Son of God <clears throat> in order that you may know that you have eternal life. So the book was written to give us assurance. Isn't that great? The book was written to give us assurance. Verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 4. These things we, we've written that your joy may be complete. And the only way to have complete joy is that we are assured of our salvation, isn't it? To know that we are saved, it is joy. So you see it? Chapter 2, verse 1 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may, that you may not sin. Even if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, this is beautiful. Because John is saying, I'm writing that you may have full joy, and that full joy is related to the fact that you always have an advocate in Christ who intercedes even when we sin. Do you get that? Christ is interceding for us always. Now Job says that the, the, the Job says that the, we, we understand that from Job that the accuser goes up there, right? And, and he goes up there and he says, he tells God, "Did you see Moses? Did you see how he was acting? Did you, did you just hear what he said? Right? 
But you know what Christ is saying? That's paid for. That's paid for. And he puts, he points out to another sin and to another sin. And he says, that is paid for. That's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. There's no more condemnation if we're in Christ. <clears throat> Amen. So that's what John is trying to tell us, that we always have an advocate who intercedes even when we sin, so that you may know you are saved. So you may know that you are saved, and that's amazing. Uh, he's saying, I want you to have joy, I want you to have holiness and confidence in intercession, so that ultimately you will have assurance that you know that you know that you have eternal life. That you have eternal life. And that is the most important certainty that, that we should know. That we have eternal life. Because it, it's a sad thing that you just don't know where you're going to end up, right? Isn't it? I mean, where are you going? I, I, I don't know. No, we know where we're going. We have eternal life. To know that we have eternal life. Now, this whole letter of John gives, gives, gives tests to, I'm telling you, I'm giving you a summary. He gives tests to, to identify uh, true and false believers, like I said. And all throughout, all throughout history, all throughout history of the church, there's been spiritual fakes, there's, there's been phonies, there's been frauds. And so John writes this and he gives tests. To see if we are in the faith or not. First, he gives some doctrinal tests. And this test is uh, the understanding, uh, 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 the true view of man as, uh, as sinful. Understanding the true view of Christ and why he came. And these are the doctrinal tests that he gives us. He gives us moral tests too. To be obedient to the law. To be obedient to Christ. To love God and to love, and to love others. <clears throat> and not to love the world. And not to love the world. And so the readers from John's time, and, and us too, uh, 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 and that was the purpose. So as we read or study this, right, we could come to the conclusion and say, I am saved. And if not, there's still hope. You know what's wrong with you. You know what's wrong with you. You could come to Christ. <clears throat> Or we could say, right, I passed the test. Those were tests. And we could say, I passed the test. I am a real Christian. We are real Christians. And we know we have eternal life. And that's the first certainty that I wanted to give you. We have eternal life. That's what verse 13 says, right? The certainty of eternal life. Now, interestingly, the Gospel of John was written that people might... The Gospel of John, it was written so people would get saved, right? And then he writes the, the first epistle, so that we, so the message, the message is that, that assurance that we are saved. So he wants us to know that if you pass the test, it will eliminate any lingering doubt that you have eternal life. Now, how wonderful it is to know that again. There's no fear of death. And that's why we don't fear death. How many want to die? I don't want to die yet. I don't want to go yet, but I'm not afraid of death. I am not afraid of death. We're going home. We're going home. It's just a transition. But isn't that beautiful? It's sort of like you go to sleep and you wake up. <laughs> and when you, when you open your eyes... You're in the full glory in the presence of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? And you are sure and certain of that because you've passed the test. You are truly a believer. You are truly a Christian. Amen? Praise the Lord. So there's no fear in that. People who have no interest in uh, people who have no interest in religion or atheists and all of that. They would normally say, well, they don't believe in heaven, the atheist. Uh, there's no such thing as an atheist. They, they, just, they, just want their, they just love their sin, but there's no, there's no true atheist out there. But those who are, 
not interested in, in religion, normally they will tell you, they say, well, you know, if you ask them about heaven, if you, are you going to heaven? Are you going? Normally what they say, well, I, 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 I think I'm going there. I, I had another client that every Thanksgiving, she would just make a whole bunch of baskets and, and she would deliver them to different places and she would come in, she would come in tired and she says, I, I did my good today. Hopefully that'll count up there. But that's the kind of thinking because they're not sure of where they're going. But that question to be certain of, of where you're going is very important. It's very important to know. Eternity is a pretty long time. It's a pretty long time. And not to know where you're going, it's a sad thing. Now, in the simplest term, eternal life is simply living forever with God in heaven. That's beautiful. Living for God, living with God in heaven. But there's, there's, there, there's a lot more to it. <clears throat> for example, in at, at verse 20, at the end, Verse, verse 20, at the end of the verse, he says, he is the true God and eternal life. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. So eternal life is not, is not only living uh, uh, forever with God, but it's also, listen to this, possessing the very life of God. Possessing the very life of God that Christ possessed. You guys are looking at me like... Okay. <laughs> oh, and what? That is a wonderful thing. That kind of life that Christ possessed is in us. And that means that we could, well, in some ways, we inherit his perfect, sinless holiness. And that is just astounding. His holy righteousness life. Without becoming God. We have that life in us. So, so, so I put it this way. It's sort of like a, a light bulb. Uh, we, contain, we contain his life like a light bulb, right? Contains light. The bulb, is in the, the, the bulb is in the light. The light comes into the light bulb and shines. It, it, it illuminates. And so God's life will be transmitted into us. His life will be transmitted to us. Uh, it's already been transmitted because we already, now we have eternal life. I mean, it, but that light at this particular time it doesn't bright shine too bright, right? Why? It's still a little bit dark. It's still a little bit dark. It's not, I, I, I wrote here, it's not purely transparent. Because it's darkened by our, fallen flesh, by our fallen flesh, which we still have. Which we still have. And we could say it this way. The light is on, but what the world sees is dim. But there will come a time, someday, when we leave this mortal flesh that bothers us so much, and we enter into the glorious manifestation of the children of God, we will become absolutely transparent, crystal clear bulbs in which the power of eternal life will flow and radiate in us, and we will shine brightly his light. That's wonderful. And it will be throughout eternity. We will shine bright throughout eternity. And so to say we have eternal life is simply to say that we will literally have the life of God in us. And again, it's true now, it's true now, but it's not fully manifested because this life is incarcerated in the in darkness of our fallen flesh. We already possess the life, right? And you know how, do you know how we know we possess the life? That God's life, because we love God. We love God. Uh, we and that's what the book says, the first John. We love God. We love our brothers and sisters. We love one another, and we don't love the world. And that's why we long to obey. Who longs to obey? We all do. We may sin. 
we may sin, but I always, I, I always tell people, you know, because sometimes people, uh, when they sin, and, and it's that sin that makes us unsure of our salvation, right? Because sin, it's always, it, it interferes with, it interferes. But there's always that, but, but I always say, are you comfortable with your sin? Because that is the characteristic, characteristic of an unbeliever. They don't care. They're happy with their sin. They're happy doing what they're doing. And they don't care. But not a true believer. A true believer is never happy with his sin. When he sins, he could feel it. And he's not, uh, uh, not happy. It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit right anymore with us. Why? Because his life is in us. And we, don't, and we long to obey. And that's why Paul said, wretched man that I am. Because what I want to do good, I don't do it. And what I don't want to do, that's what I do. That is the true believer. That is the true believer. Amen? And we desire righteousness and hate sin because that life is in, in us. So eternal life is not about uh, the duration of, uh, of life. It is, right? But it's more the quality of life, that, that kind of life that, that we, we have. We have that now, but we will forever have that in eternity, the life of God in us. Holy, pure, righteous, good, content, satisfied, fulfilled. That's how God is. God doesn't need anything. God doesn't need anything. So eternal life is a life that, that looks for nothing, seeks for nothing, uh, uh, misses nothing, desires nothing other than what it has. That's God's life. That's God's life. And it's in us. <clears throat> and the Lord wants us to know that certainty, the certainty of that, that we absolutely know that we have eternal life. And it's a wonderful thing. That is a wonderful thing to know that. The second, second certainty, so we could move on. We not only know that we have eternal life, right? And that's for sure. That's for certain because that we, we just saw that. But we also know that God answers our prayer. God answers our prayers. That's the second certainty. We are waiting for eternal life now, right? It is not fully manifested. We have it now, but it's not fully manifested. We are waiting to, to enter into that uh, eternal life. Uh, we aren't there yet. We're still here, right? We're still here. And meanwhile that we're here, we have needs. Meanwhile that we are here, we have problems. We have struggles. We have concerns. We have preoccupations. We have issues, those issues to deal with. And we all have them, don't we? Yes, we do. Anxieties and all, all kinds of stuff that we have. And so, in the meantime, we know God answers prayer. Isn't that wonderful? We have eternal life, and one day it's going to be fully manifested, and we're going to have no need and completely satisfied. But meanwhile, while we're here, there's a lot of things, man, that just bother us. We deal with different things all the time as the world and life throws at us. But the beauty of that is that God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. Amen? Yes, he does. And look at verse 14. And this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. <clears throat> and if we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know we have the request which we have asked from him. Isn't that wonderful? Now, you notice the word no again here. We have a confidence that we know that whatever we ask according to his will, he hears us. And we know this. That if he hears us, we know he will answer our prayers. And I always say that God answers prayers. Yes, he does. He answers our prayers, and that is a wonderful thing, too. We know we have eternal life, but before the full manifestation of that, we, all have, we have those needs that we, we have, battles, temptations, all of that. And at the same time, we know that God answers our prayers. So as we face those 
temptations, problems, and all those situations, we know we have this confidence, and he, this is the beauty of it. That word confidence literally means freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. In other words, we, we feel the freedom to go before the Lord in any situation and for any issue, and we could freely and boldly come into his presence and ask and ask and scripture tells us and instructs us that we could come boldly into the throne of God to seek for whatever we need whatever we need and that is amazing and our confidence is that that that, that now at this time uh, we have access to to all of God's resources all of God's resources are, are at our disposal now, how many resources does he have? Plenty. We could never outdo God. Plenty. So confidence. <clears throat> we have that confidence. And this is the boldness. Literally, the boldness in which we enter into his presence and freely ask for the request for whatever, whatever we need. Now, watch this. Verse 14 says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, that hearing, hear me, hearing here means that, that, that not is just that he's listening and he knows the request. This is a positive hearing. This is a positive hearing. It's a hearing that's going to dispatch an answer to us. You get that? He's just not hearing and, and listening to us. And, and No. He's hearing us with a positive hearing that he will answer our prayers. He will answer. The answer will come. And if we ask for anything according to his will... You know what he says? We could ask for anything, right? You know what that means? It's a blank check. It's a blank check. He, no limits to that blank check. No limits to that blank. It's, come on. A billionaire comes and gives you a blank check and says, there you go, whatever. We'll go ape. <laughs> yes, we would. That's exactly what God has done for us. It's a blank check. But there's just one qualifier. It's got to be according to his will. According to his will. Amen? The blank check is his will. Anything on the, on the bank of his will. Verse 15, it says, If we, if we know <clears throat> he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know we, we have the request that we have asked of him. And again, hearing, hearing is an answer for God. Amen? So he's hearing us. He, we know he's going to answer. And just let me expand a little bit more on this because this is an important thing. If you go to chapter 3, uh, verse 21, and again, this is a, a very similar statement. And, and actually, the, the, the last chapter, the fifth chapter, is a summary of all of the book, of all of the first John. And, and verse 21 says, Beloved, if our hearts doesn't condemn us, uh, we have confidence before God. In other words, if our heart is right with God, if our conscience is clean, if... If our heart is, is, is right with God and our conscience is clean, we have confidence to go before God. Verses 22 and 23. And whatever we ask, we'll receive from him because we keep his commandment and we, and we do what, is, what, what pleases him. And this is his commandment. Verse 23. That we believe in the Son of uh, uh, that we believe in the same, the, the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. In other words, if we believed on our Lord Jesus Christ and we keep his commandments, love the brothers, we should love our brothers. That comes with salvation. You know that, right? There's no such thing as a brother that, you know, you, you, you say you're seven, you say, man, I can't stand my sister. I can't, you can't even call him. I, don't, I can't stand her. Just... <laughs> just, just say, <laughs> right? There's no such thing as that. No, 
Because that love comes with, that love comes with, with our, our, our salvation. Amen? Yes, it does. <clears throat> and he says, if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, right, and, and, and we keep his commandments and we love the brothers and whatever we ask, we will receive it. And that's our confidence. That's our assurance before God. And we have the same thing in John. We're not going to read it, but just, just as, because it's the same caveat there, uh, uh, that, uh, that it's according to his will. That is the caveat. And, of course, we wouldn't want anything else than what his, his will is, right? We wouldn't want anything else than that. It wouldn't be good for us. Do you know that? That if God doesn't answer your prayer, some, because sometimes we say that. We ask and we ask. And, and what did James says? What does James say? He gives it to us in a negative. You ask and receive not. Why? Because you're asking for your own pleasure. You get that? So when God doesn't answer our prayers, there's a reason. It could be you got to wait on his time. You got to wait on his time. God has other purposes, but he will always answer our prayers. That is certain and for sure. Amen? <clears throat> John 14, 13 says, and whatever, you, and whatever you, you ask in my name, that, you will, that will I do, that the, Father, uh, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And that little phrase, in my name, is the same thing as in his will. It's the equivalent to that. So when we pray in his name, it's to pray to what is consistent with what he is and all that he does. Amen? That's what, that's what that means. Uh, you, you know when we say in Christ's name, when, at the finish, uh, when we're praying and at the end we say in Christ's name, in Christ's name we pray? Well, that, that, is, not, that is not sort of like a, 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 a magic thing that it's, it's obligated just because we said in Christ's name we pray that it's going to happen. He's not obligated to that. It's not an obligation to that. But it rather, it, it rather means that uh, it's a way of saying if, if it is consistent with what you will to do, that's why we pray that way. Now, in this verse here, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, that's a beautiful thing, too, because when God answers our prayer, he puts himself on display. That's why God answers our prayers, because he puts himself on display. He puts the Son on display. He gives us full joy. And when we do that, what do we say? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. God glorifies. We glorify God when, we, when he answers our prayer. Amen? And it's a win-win, isn't it? It is a win-win. Amen. And we could go on with this plenty more, but we're not. We are not. <laughs> we could just say this to finish with this certainty. We pray in his name fully identifying ourselves with him. And we pray in his will, seeking that which will glorify the Father and the Son. And that produces joy, complete joy, spiritual joy in us. <clears throat> and that is a very generous promise, isn't it? It's a very generous promise to us. And that's why I always say prayer is a privilege for us. Prayer is a privilege for us. And just to know that the Bible tells us that we should pray unceasingly, right? That's First Thessalonians, the last chapter, says that we should be praying unceasingly. Now, we're praying unceasingly and we're asking the Lord to what we ask. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. Because we're going to get our, our, our if it's according to his will... <clears throat> and prayer, it's, we could ask for anything. So prayer becomes the, the means by which uh, the believer receives what God wants him to receive. Prayer also becomes a means by which how we align our lives with his will. And this is great. This is great. It's a privilege to pray. Third certainty God is unchanging, and we're coming to the last to, to our to where, where we are in James. God is unchanging. He's he is immutable. 
And, and whenever I think about this, um, this thing about God that he never changes, it just amazes me. Because we are so fickle. We always changing. Always changing. Sometimes our attitude is here. Sometimes it's up here. Sometimes it's just, especially women. No. <laughs> but we're all over the place. Our love sometimes is here. Sometimes our love is up here. Sometimes it's in the middle. But not our God. Our God is always up here. The moment he set his eye on you, he fell in love. And it hasn't diminished yet. He never changes. We sometimes say we fell out of love. We sometimes say, ah, he never falls out of love. He never changes. That's an attribute. That's a beauty of an attribute for, for God because he never changes. Beautiful. He's unchanging. And I'm going to read that again. And I'm going to read verse five, uh, six, 17. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That is just wonderful. Listen to this. As we approach another year full of uncertainties and maybe even more uncertainties, right? We all hear the political landscape that we're living in, right? It's just uncertain of what's going to happen. There's so many things that we see in the news and it's between the immorality that is going on and the perversion that is going on. We just, what do we say? We just don't know. It's uncertain, right? It is uncertain. All of that. <clears throat> but as for, for us Christians... For us Christians, some are saying that we might get persecution. And we've seen that. I've seen that before in, in our country. People are going to jail just because they're, they're preaching. They could say anything else. They could talk about anything else, perversions. They could rob stores and do anything. I was hearing the other day. Uh, 300 people, they, 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 they've been robbing. The same 300 people. Uh, with so many millions in, in New York, they send them to jail and they let them out and those same ones, they go back and they rob the stores again. And, and, and they were saying it's the same 300 people. So it's just crazy, right? But that's the kind of world that we're living in. It's just a crazy world. And they could do whatever they, whatever they want. So, but, but we cannot say we believe in Christ. We cannot say we have the absolute truth. Because now we become intolerant. And some people say there's, there's going to be persecution for the Christians. And perhaps it's a good thing for us. Because it will separate. You know what I mean? It will separate the wheat from the tares. It's always, when, 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 when uh, persecution has come, it's always been good for the church. But we don't know what's coming. We don't know what's happening. But what we do know is that the father of lights, that means the creator, the father of lights. And that's a beautiful word, father. Isn't it? And we could, we, we, we could refer it as, as to a father. We know, we know the fathers. Do you know what the, uh, the, the and there's more, but, but I'm just the two, uh, two characteristics of a good father. He protects and provides. He protects and provides. And if we are sinful fathers and we do that for our kids, how much more our righteous and precious God? How much more that he will protect us, that he will provide for us? Amen? And so no matter what happens, no matter what happens in this world, he's with us. No, he's in us. He's in us. And that's a beautiful thing. He's in us. So no matter what, what's happening, there's always going to be comfort. There's always going to be peace. There's always going to be guidance. There's always going to be protection. There's always going to be provision for us. 
always. And you may say, well, some, some of the, the, the Christians were, were, were persecuted. They were killed. Oh, and some of them were killed really bad, right? Some of them were killed really bad. What happened to them? The worst thing that could happen to us is the best thing that could happen to us. What is it? Death. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. I want to go home. I don't know about you, but I want to go home. So there is the best thing that could happen to us. So no matter what happens, he will protect us. He's there. And not only that, but he answers our prayers. We would boldly come to him. So whatever the need is, as those uncertainty comes, we, are, we, we have that privilege to come to him, to ask him for whatever we need, and he will provide for us. He will provide for us. So we could say what the psalmist says in, says in, in Psalm 46. Let's go there. Let's read Psalm 46. verses 1 to 3 and 7. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives away, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We could walk into the new year and the next year and the next year and the next year certain because our God is our fortress. We are secure in his hand. Amen? Amen. Wonderful. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God never changes. And that's beautiful. Let's bow, bow our heads. Blessed Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. And as we sang today, a thousand reasons. There's more than that, Lord. Throughout of our lives, you've been so good to us. We're still here. In spite of what we do and in spite of what we are, in spite of how we live, we're still here. And that shows your mercy. And your word says that your mercy is new every day, and we know it, Lord. Every morning that we, that we wake up, we could see your mercy. And we thank you. And we love you. Help us, Lord. Help us to to find assurance. Help us to trust in you as we move forward into the new year. That everything that we do, Lord, we bring it to you. Trusting. Trusting you in everything. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.